0: We all get stuck in what we should do or what we should have done. The word should can inspire us, and it can inhibit us. It can get us moving, and it can hold us back. Why is it so hard to move past complacency and get inspired to build the fulfilling future that we want? You are listening to Should Theory. Let's talk it out. Stories, interviews, and more to inform and inspire you towards building the future that you want. Get motivated, figure out how you want to shift, and then get your shift together. I'm Tara Green. Let's do this with The Should Theory. for coming back and checking out yet another amazing episode of should theory where we talk about people's shifts and having the courage to follow your gut instead of following the rules i am with cory logitis but you probably know her as cory low if you've seen her out and about on the social webs or the interwebs Corey, how are you today
1: i am great how are you
0: I'm good, and I'm so excited that um, you're here to share your story with people. Why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Um, So I am an entrepreneurship coach. Uh, That's what I do today. I'm actually a third-generation entrepreneur. Um, There's never anything I ever anticipated getting into. We can talk about that in a little bit. But uh, essentially, the work that I do now is I help people figure out how to monetize their skills and talents.
0: Mm-hmm. and
1: go into business for themselves and walk them through the process a to z from their idea to landing their very first paying clients and validating their business idea as well as their ability to work for themselves
0: that is so interesting to me and i feel like <laughs> um i feel like there's a crazy need for a job like that because just the the words monetizing your skills um i feel like if you're over the age of 30 definitely thirty five, but I'm gonna say even if you're mm-hmm. over the age of thirty, um, that monetizing your skills is such a foreign concept because you know, mm-hmm. what does that mean? you you get your skill by trade school or college and then you go get the career that does that thing and then you do it for thirty years. Mm-hmm. like what do you mean monetize your skills? So I feel right. like there's such a need for. People who are hungry to make some sort of a change, who think they have no other options to realize all the different avenues that exist these days. Uh, I sound like an old person mm-hmm. these days, but all of the people. you're so right, though, because the, the way I fell
1: into this work is because there was that need. And I was getting a lot of, you know, questions on exactly how you do it. And that more or less ended up building my business from there. And I'm more than happy we'll talk about it, I'm sure, in a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. um, That need is out there. That's why I'm doing the work I'm doing today.
0: I love it. So why don't we backtrack then a little bit so we can get to that part and start with, you know, let's talk about you and and how you got to a place where you said, yep, I've got to do something different. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, there's a different need out there for me and I need something different. Tell us about that.
1: You got it. So I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version, the short, short one. Uh, So basically, I went away to school and I have a really expensive piece of paper that says I can draw well. So I got an art (laughs) degree, uh, which was essentially useless when I came out of school because they don't teach you how to get a job in art school. Right. Uh, And so I waited tables, you know, when I was out. And this is something that really kind of pissed off my father. My father is the second generation to be running my family's business at that time. Uh, my family mm-hmm. has a large electronics distribution company uh, okay. here in the U.S. It's regional, covers multiple states. Um, and so it just it really frustrated him to see me waiting tables after spending all that money on an art degree. Sure. So he at the time had offered me, hey, why don't you come and work for the family business as a graphic designer? So I thought, okay, cool. Like, what else do I have to lose? Figuring it was going to be a you know part-time gig and I'd figure out what I wanted to do from there. So long story short, I blank, 15 years have passed. I'm oh senior vice president, now running the company. Never anticipated ever being there. Uh, and I absolutely love the work that I do. You know, it's my family business, obviously. Sure. So I love being able to work with my family. I like the impact that we were having on people. I liked, you know, what we did. But ultimately, something felt like it was missing, and I couldn't quite pinpoint what that was at
0: mm-hmm. the time.
1: And I was going through a really difficult stretch in my life at that point. I was a newly single mother. You know, mm-hmm. I left my my son's father. He was only five months old.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an
1: abusive relationship, so we split yep. from there. I was commuting 20 hours a week just to get to my job because I had to move from where we were living in Brooklyn all the way up from Long Island, and my family's business was within New York City. So it was this ridiculous two hour each way commute. And the most I ever got to see my son was through my home security camera system. It was just wow. really sad. And,
0: and I have I remember- to stop you right there because I don't want to mm-hmm. minimize uh the very strong and courageous things that you just said, right? You mm-hmm. just talked about leaving an abusive relationship, which is huge, mm-hmm. with a five month old, being a single mom, a long commute, mm-hmm. like I know that you're glossing through them so quickly because you're giving me the quick version of how you got to where you are. But I really I just want to stop you for a second, because one of the things that I talk about all the time with people that I work with is taking the time to appreciate the things that we've done, which and and like I could not have paid you to do a better example of, of what I talk about. Right. These are things that you did because you needed to do them. And you got them done. And so when you retell them, it's like, oh, you know, yeah, I just left an abusive relationship. I got a new job. I was a single mom. Was great. I commuted. (laughs) Yeah, I only saw him through the, you know, security camera. But you know, we did what we had to do. And you went through it so quickly. But like, holy crap, Corey, those are all really major, major things. And I think that worse from there. You okay. know, Those are,
1: are major, major things at that time. And yeah, when you're in the moment, it doesn't feel like it's going that fast. But that was just the, the tip of the iceberg from where it started. Right. So I knew at that point in time, I wasn't happy. But sitting in the car for 20 hours a week wasn't enough motivation at that point to get me to actually make that change. Right, right. So I still felt comfortable, you know, doing what I had to do. I, of course, I was upset. I never got to see my son, but I kind of figured, okay, well, I'm running my family's business. Technically, I have everything I wanted. I always wanted to run a business. I wanted Mm -hmm. the house, pick picket fence. I wanted the kid. I had everything. So I was checking the boxes. So in my mind, I was in denial. And what the real turning point for me, and this is why I'm saying too, it wasn't, you know, not to gloss over it, but those things wasn't the worst of what had happened. Um. Ultimately what did make me make the change was I was the one to discover a loved one had taken his life by suicide. Uh. It was my post divorce partner. Uh very, you know, serious relationship. We had figured, you know, that we were getting married, we were having kids, our kids were best friends. So it was right when I was trying to pick up my life again. Right. And once again just being brought back to, Nope, you're starting over again. Uh. And it was kind of in that moment too that I realized that life is really fleeting. You know, and it really made me think, like, literally in that moment that, like, I was sitting I I describe it, I remember sitting, it was June, it was, like, 98 degrees out, I'm sitting on his lawn because the police have to come and make sure you're not a suspect before you leave the scene, so I was like, crap, and I remember sitting there looking up at the sun, thinking, like, you've been through worse, you got through it, you know, everything's going to be okay, but you can't keep living your life the way you're doing it,
0: Yeah. you know, life could
1: be gone in an instant. You know, what you thought was true yesterday isn't true today. How do you want to live your life? So ultimately, what that was the turning point for me. Mm-hmm. And I, within a few months of that, I left my 15-year career, cold turkey. It was a six-figure job, mm-hmm. even more complicated because I had to, you know, give my notice to my father, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is worse. Um, and I banked my emergency savings. I had six months of emergency savings at the time. I was a single mother, like I said, with a house and yeah. a mortgage and everything else. But I decided to, to go all in and bet on myself and building my own business. Yeah. And that's when I started my coaching and speaking business. And within a few weeks of starting my own coaching practice, I landed my first few clients. Within about six months, I had about 40,000 followers on social media. And wow. within that first year, I got my TED talk. So everything happened really, really fast, but the big thing for me was to decide enough is enough and to actually make the change and kind of step into my purpose in a way.
0: There is so much here to wade through that I am slightly (laughs) overwhelmed, but in a completely good way. So okay. (laughs) I'm regrouping. So here's what I'm struggling with right now, and I'm and it, it goes back to what I started to say. I see so many people, especially women, who are tough and strong and courageous and they do stuff because like you said it just needs to get done and mm-hmm. you know they make exceptions like well I have all the things I want they might not be the way I wanted them they might not mm-hmm. be in the place that I wanted them but they check the box at least halfway you know there's ink in the box so it's good enough kind mm-hmm. of a thing mm-hmm. and it keeps us in a, a spot of complacency um, because that's probably easier than fear of the unknown and so on and so forth. But, you know, I think that um, I tell the story about ticking off. A, a Let me give you a quick version of my life similar to what you just did. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it all down and I submitted it in this Facebook group. And I didn't think anything of it in the same way that, you know, just watching you tell me that you're like, oh, here we go. I'm going to tell my story. No big deal. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm listening to it going, holy crap holy crap, she's a badass. Oh, my God. And, and you know, I think that we forget to take time to reflect on what we did, what was happening when we did it, you mm-hmm. know, and really appreciating our strengths and our abilities and our accomplishments. Because when we do get to a low point, like you were talking about, you know, here, you know, this person you loved committed suicide, and you feel like you're starting from scratch all over again. And, you know, what is happening with my life and it's time to do something, that can be mm-hmm. a very low point. And it can be a point where you feel like you don't have the tools to make a change or do something. And so, you know, just sitting in that moment and looking back at everything that you just said, um, and I haven't even gotten to the clients in the TED Talk yet, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm amazed by everything that you went through, um, and all of those things that, that are huge, huge, very courageous things that you dealt with, um, difficult things that you dealt with, with courage. And that's in, you know, 10 minutes of us talking. So I think that, uh, what I would like to dig into really is, um, I guess the how for me. So you're, you know, you're in this moment, you're looking up at the sky, they're making sure you're not a murderer that you're actually, you know, a witness and that in itself could send someone over the edge for sure. Um, Now you have to tell your father that uh, you're not going to continue with the family business that you've been with for 15 years. How does that go?
1: It was really difficult to be Mm -hmm. honest. That was probably the most difficult thing out of everything. Okay that I experienced, which right. I know sounds odd considering the level of trauma I went through in a five year span, but that was the most difficult. And in part, because, you know, I didn't want to disappoint my father. There was a lot, you know, there in terms of him being proud that I was the third generation, right? Um, me, you know, kind of taking over, you know, I was being groomed for this from when, yeah. you know, a decade prior. Mm-hmm. And for me to step away from it was a big deal, but what, and it was difficult for me because part of me really wanted, and and the reason why I avoided making that move for so long, even though I was happy, unhappy well before, you know, the suicide loss was that I kind of had this fear, this unfounded fear that my father was going to be so disappointed that I would be like disowned. You know, right. Or something like that, which is completely irrational as I talk about it now. It is but, but it isn't.
0: You know? I right. mean it happens. And and let's be real, right? It happens. I, I've talked to people where it's like you have two choices. You can be a doctor or a lawyer and anything else, you're not talking to me.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. You know, and then that of course he was a little upset. <laughs> it took a little bit for, you know, him and my entire family. I mean, it wasn't just him, it was my mom, it was my uncle, my dad, and my uncle are business partners, so like it was a whole family event. Uh, but now they're they are they could be more supportive, yeah. you know, in terms of everything that I'm doing now, and they see that you know I'm doing the work I was meant to do, yeah, in a way. But that definitely was the hardest part of the process.
0: Do you find that um, in a situation like that, that the person's emotional reaction, uh, you can't leave? We, you know you're not going to be happy or we need you to leave. Do you find that sometimes that that is really a, a, a hidden statement of I, you can't leave because you're going to leave me in a lurch and how am I going to fill the void that you leave Yes, mm-hmm. more so than it is you're not going to be successful if you go do that thing?
1: Luckily, at that point in time, I would experienced such trauma and that loss you know, that it was kind of like the, I just give zero Fs, you know, at that point about anyone or anything. And it was all about me, that it was very easy for me to see when people would have reactions, whether it was my dad or my mom or whoever, Um, you know, because it was very real that me leaving meant that, you know, my dad was semi-retired and he had to be more involved every day, you know, and certain things were going to happen as a result of me leaving. And I was able to decompartmentalize that
0: Mm -hmm. because
1: I understood, like, I was not responsible for their reaction to me saying I needed this for myself.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right? But I
1: had to I had to experience that moment where it was just all about me and understanding, like, it's up to me to decide how I want to live my life from here on out Absolutely. and to prioritize myself for the first time. It was really the first time I ever prioritized myself in my mental health because truth was, if I didn't, I was yeah. not going to be able to be there for my son.
0: Right, right.
1: And that was my number one priority.
0: How old is he at this point in that time frame? He is six
1: now. Mm -hmm.
0: And um,
1: to kind of share how everything has a happy ending. So Uh I got married New Year's Eve of this past year. And we have a baby girl. We're a blended family. But I met my husband six months after my loss.
0: Uh, And he was a huge
1: part of helping me heal. Um, through that entire process but yeah we just welcomed a baby girl and I've got I went from being thank you it's amazing though to think I went from being a single mom of one to being a married mom of four in literally a year <laughs> yeah
0: yeah uh, I too am in a blended family and it's interesting how you can multiply exponentially
1: <laughs> yeah it second. happens way too fast <laughs> yeah
0: yeah it absolutely does um mm-hmm. so okay now I'm trying to process. So you started getting clients and I do want to dig into that in a second, but talk about um, realizing exactly what your niche or your spot was, Um, you know, because you went from graphic design and running this huge company to helping people find what their specific thing is so that they Mm -hmm. can do their own thing. So how did you, how did you know that was the thing?
1: I didn't, the universe kind of served it up to me on a platter
0: is Mm. the best way to describe it.
1: So I, even when I had started my business, I did what a lot of new entrepreneurs do. I kind of, you know, dip my toe in the water of a few different niches and a few different, you know, things. So I did like some business consulting, Mm
0: -hmm. I did life
1: coaching, Mm -hmm. I did some professional speaking um, and really like no specific niche was picked at that point. But then the pandemic happened, and right. the pandemic happened right after my TED talk, which my TED talk was all about. It, it was called "Don't Give Up, Change Your Strategy." Mm. So it was all about you know overcoming these you know I call them pivotal life moments. So like you know divorce is a pivotal life moment, the pandemic's a pivotal life moment, uh, suicide loss pivotal life moment. You know the the everything that happens after the event will always be different, and nothing's changing it. And what ended up happening after you know, the, the Ted talk went live. And after the pandemic happened is I started getting all these messages from people who are like, Oh, wow. Like I want to start a business. How do you do that? Like, Oh, that's really cool. Like, it's, I know you have an art degree, but like, how did you figure it out? Mm-hmm. And it was interesting. Cause when I sat and I really kind of thought about it. And I also too, I don't want to discount uh, I'm a big believer in investing in coaching. Mm-hmm. So when I had started my business, because I knew I wanted to go into coaching and speaking specifically, and i was coming from a 15 year background in electronics right <laughs> so very different industry i invested very heavily in coaches that specialized in coaching and speaking mm-hmm. so i knew the business side of it and with that said i kind of knew going into it okay well this is what i had to do to figure out what my niche was
0: mm-hmm. and when i
1: was looking at my skill sets you know it's like yeah i have an art degree But my ability to be able to think outside of the box and to think creatively is what really suits me well for this type of work. So somebody can tell me like, hey, you know, this is what I love to do. And this is what my degree is in. And oh, I have all this experience with X, Y, Z. And it's very easy for me knowing all different types of business models and, um, you know, different types of partnerships and stuff I've had with people in the business world. Oh, well, here are a bunch of different opportunities you could explore. Mm. Uh, so it was a very natural pairing. And it was one of those things that then, you know, one person heard about it, then another, then I ended up having group programs. And then it kind of, you know, turned into the program that I have today, which is called the Validate Your Biz Blueprint. And it walks people through literally just the desire to be an entrepreneur. Right. Like you don't even have to have a business idea, just the, the motivation to say, I want to
0: Hey, it's Tara. I sure hope you're enjoying this episode, but I have a question for you. How do you handle adversity? Challenges? Self-doubt? About setbacks? Yeah, same with me. That is why I created my new course called Overcoming Obstacles. It helps you build grit, resilience, determination, and find a way to work through those challenges without wanting to quit towards that goal that you're working for. And here's the best part. It is a completely independent, self-paced course. Four modules, 20 lessons, and extra worksheets and affirmations to help you along the way. Do it in your way, at your pace, whenever you want, and however you want. Go to www.terragreeve.com or find the link in the show notes learn more about my program and get started overcoming those obstacles so you can move closer to that goal you've set for yourself. Now, let's get back to this episode.
1: work for myself
0: and mm-hmm. I teach you how to get your first paid client. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so, um and that would be an interesting thing. Now, can you just dive into your TED journey because I know there are people out there that think it's a mysterious thing or you have to already be famous or have some crazy, amazing mm-hmm. research published or, you know, something of that nature. So talk a little bit about that.
1: So my Ted talk story is kind of underwhelming. <laughs> 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 start it by that. Uh, Cause I know you had mentioned to, you're like, Oh, you know, all this, you know, you took all this action and all this perseverance yeah. and let's not like minimize that literally like the Ted talk was the universe served it up to me on a platter. So what had happened was one of my first coaches that I had invested in, Mm -hmm. you know, for the, the coaching and speaking business, I had shared my story with her very similar. I shared my story with you guys. And she had said right off the bat, and this was three, four years ago. She's like, yeah, you should do a TED talk. And I'm like, you're nuts. Yeah. Who would, who would listen to me? talk? Right. Right. You know, like, no, it makes no sense at all. And what ended up happening. And this is part of like how I teach people to build businesses now I'm very big on networking and authentic networking, getting out there, shaking hands, you know, obviously pre-pandemic, letting people actually meet you face-to-face instead of hiding behind social media profiles. So when I was out there and I was actually making the work I know known, you know, within the New York City area where I'm based out of, I had a lot of people start asking me at that point in time, oh, wow, you have really great energy. Do you do speaking? You know, have you ever considered speaking and speaking, speaking, Mm speaking? And then I forget. Exactly, one of the the online speaker courses pops up in my Facebook feed, and finally I was like, "All right, Uncle, I give up. I uh, I see the universe wants me to be a speaker, so let me invest in this course and figure out <laughs> what I need to do." So I took the All online right. course, and within four months, I pitched the TED talk, and I got the TED talk. Wow,
0: Big TED or TEDx so it was, or? It's TEDx. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> and so. um so you did the TEDx. Now, a lot of people will I've heard will say that um, doing a TEDx or a TED really opens up crazy opportunities simply from who's in the audience or who gets to see it.
1: Mm-hmm. The only thing that... I don't want to say it was a disappointment because, of course, like, my, I have my business now the way it is as a result of that TED Talk. Because yeah. otherwise, you know, if people didn't see that talk, they wouldn't have been asking me, hey, how do I start a business? Even sure. Though the TED Talk has nothing to do with starting a business. Right. Um, which is, I find, kind of ironic and funny now. Um, mm-hmm. But with that said, <clears throat>
0: um, wow, I went on a tangent and I completely forgot where I was. I was um, asking you about if the <laughs> TED Talk opened up other opportunities yes, and such. yes, yes.
1: So the, the reason why um I went on the tangent is because truth is my TED talk happened literally the weekend before the pandemic hit. So any and all opportunity got shut down the weekend right. after. Right. <laughs> so everything worked out the way it was supposed to. I've had a few people ask about um, you know, if I've considered writing a book. You know, there are like publishers and stuff in the audience um yeah. since then. Um so definitely something I'm considering. But yeah, it does definitely open doors in, in yeah. multiple different ways. <laughs>
0: Um, so I guess now that you can reflect and you're, you're at a point where you've created that business, where would you say, um, in the process, you know, you said the, probably the most difficult thing was telling your dad, but between that and where you are now, uh, barring the pandemic that's been happening in the middle, what would you say have been, uh, the biggest struggles in the process where maybe you felt like, oh, I should just go back to the company. It would be so much easier.
1: That was never an option for me.
0: Okay.
1: It's more, it's an internal thing. It's not like if I ever told my dad, he wouldn't have me back in a heartbeat.
0: Mm -hmm. It was just,
1: I just had it in my mind that there was no possibility of failing.
0: Right. My brain just
1: isn't wired that way. It's just it's all or nothing. And there's, I'm not afraid to put action in. Right. Um, And that's really the key. You got to be, and I think that's one of the reasons too, why (laughs) I ended up being well-suited to coach on entrepreneurship. Yeah, because for a lot of folks, the reason that they don't become an entrepreneur is because they have fear of failure, Absolutely. or they lack consistently, or they don't take action. And those, my brain just doesn't work that way. It's mm-hmm. just so for me to be able to kind of explain my thought process and why that's not an option, and be able to teach people how to build those skills on their own, that's what makes me a valuable coach.
0: Absolutely, and I think um, the fact that you are willing to invest in yourself. You know, you talked about mm-hmm. that a little bit earlier about, you know, I I believe in coaching and I think coaching in some ways um, gets grouped in as like therapy <laughs> and maybe it mm-hmm. is therapeutic for some, but I think, you know, there are people who, if they're having social emotional issues, that therapy is a great outlet for that. Mental health issues, therapy can be a great outlet for that. If you're having path issues or, um directional issues, for lack of a better way to put it, you know, I think investing in a coach is, is a therapy, right, for those types of challenges. Mm -hmm. And I think people don't necessarily see that as um, a viable option, either because it seems odd to them, or they Mm -hmm. don't want to make the investment in themselves. And I would argue it's similar to investing in skills to learn a trade or a a profession.
1: Mm -hmm. I couldn't agree more. And you want to hear the funny part yes. about this? So I never considered being a coach for myself, you know, back when I was working for my family's business, right. I always admired people like Tony Robbins. I was like, it's amazing. Yep. I wish I could do something like that. Always dismissed it. Guess who was the one who told me I would be a good coach? Tony Robbins. My therapist. Your therapist. I was waiting <laughs> for you to tell me it was Tony she Robbins. Was like, I am like, no! Yeah, my therapist was the one when we were, you know, discussing, um, You know, how I was unhappy at my job and really kind of coming to grips with it. Uh, Yet at that time, still not making the change until after my loss. But she was the one that was like, have you ever considered coaching? You know, you have a a real knack in being able to push through problems. And that's Mm -hmm. what coaching is. So coaching is forward thinking. So it's coming up with a path from A to Z to get you to reach your goals, where therapy Mm -hmm. goes over the past and how you ended up where you are today. Right. So it's the opposite. Right. So in her professional opinion, she's like, yeah, well, you know, you would be very well suited for coaching. And initially I was yeah. like, I'm not certified. I'm not this, I'm not that. And then when I actually looked into it, I was doing coaching the 15 years I was in leadership roles as an SVP. Absolutely. So I was like, why am I
0: discounting my own, you know, experience? This is silly. So you, sometimes we are our own worst enemies. We I, more than sometimes. <laughs> and I think, you know, we do that all the time where, where you say, gosh, you know, How can I possibly help people? I don't have this very expensive piece of paper on my wall that says I can. And half the time, probably more than half the time, it's your experiences, your story, your perspective, forget the certifications that can help a person through a situation and guide it onto their next. And I think in addition to that, it's um, you aren't telling someone what to do. You're helping them figure it out for themselves.
1: Exactly. That's what a good, a
0: good coach asks questions. Yeah. Otherwise if you want like an A to Z blueprint, you need a consultant. Yes. A
1: lot of people don't know the difference.
0: <laughs> yeah. Right. And other, and so let's, let's go over that, you know, for the listeners, a consultant really is someone that you're, you're hiring to come in and do a job for you. So I need to have a plan formulated for what my next steps are. Hey, consultant, please formulate my plan. And then I will follow it versus a coach Who's going to say, well, what do you think? Let's co- coach mm-hmm. you through. I'm using a word to define it, but, um, you know, let's get you through those steps. You know, let's prioritize. Let's see where your skills are. Let's see mm-hmm. where your interests lay, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then going back, like you said, versus the therapist who says, well, let's talk about how you got to where you are and let's not repeat those things, you know, that you're doing that are causing you problems. So, um, I, you know, I think that people who feel like something's missing, feel like there's got to be something else out there for them can get so lost and feel so defeated um, mm-hmm. that they stay complacent. And and going back to your comment from earlier, you talked about, um, you know, that you ha- – I guess all the boxes are checked. I have the kid. I have the house. I have the white picket fence. I run an Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur and I run a company. That should be good enough. You didn't say those words. I'm putting those in your mouth. But basically. That's
1: what I was thinking. Yeah. (laughs) You know,
0: this should be good enough. I've checked the boxes. You know, how dare I want something more that's selfish, that's greedy. And Mm -hmm. it's really not. And, And life is whatever you want it to be, but it's on you to make it that. Right.
1: You know, and honestly, truth is, it was more selfish for me to be sitting in that mindset because I've had way more of an impact now on other people and other lives by sharing my story and by helping them achieve the same things and by helping them take action than I ever would have staying, you know, in the role I was in running right. my family's business.
0: Right. So I want to throw my my questions at you that I throw at everybody and see how you do Mm -hmm. with them. I'm curious to see how you're going to come up with answers. So the first one is, what are the negative shoulds that still buzz in your ears and occasionally will hold you back or slow you down?
1: For me, and I speak about this very openly because it's something I really struggle with, Mm -hmm. it's workaholism. Yeah. So I am a type A overachiever, um, high performance always want to be doing um and I've had to kind of formulate unique ways for for me to be able to deal with it. So for example, I work a 4-hour workday. Mhm. And that's not for any other reason but to make sure that I'm prioritizing what's only essential and that I don't work myself.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Um that and probably uh the other thing that I would love to do better is uh use social media more intentionally. Mm. It's too easy, you know, and it's designed to do exactly what I end up getting sucked into. It's basically a slot machine for your brain, and you're like, oh, scroll more, read this. And I really would like to get better at, you know, making it a point to use it as a tool to connect with people with purpose Mm -hmm. and to not get sucked into.
0: Yeah. So I like to counteract that with positivity. So, what are the positive shoulds that keep you going?
1: Uh, Positive shoulds, I mean, for the exact same reason that you know, the social media part is frustrating and something that I work with, it's worth it for me to get over that because that is how I can have an impact on people. It's called social media for a reason. I want to connect with people. I want to have conversations. I want to, um, you know, be able to inspire and impact others. And it's a tremendous tool Mm -hmm. to be able to do that. I mean, think about the pandemic and everything that's happened. We've never been more connected as a society as we are now, that we could over over the course of a year all be isolated by ourselves at home, yet still have some sense of connection online. Right. Um, so that would be my positive slant on that. I <laughs> like
0: that. And so now that you are where you are, and I'm trying to think of how far back I want to go, um, knowing what you know now, what advice would you give Corey, who is waiting tables uh, post art school graduation?
1: I would say don't change a thing Mm. because everything you are learning is preparing you for what's to come. And it's the truth. Every single obstacle I ever encountered, I learned something from it. And my situation Mm -hmm. after the obstacle was better than it was before. Mm -hmm. And it taught me something I needed to know to be able to help and serve other people today.
0: I love that. And I would second that in the sense that, um, You know, I have talked to countless people, I've been that person where something happens that requires you to make a change, meaning it's not an option, you're not considering it, it's like life happens and you have to do something different as a result of what happened. And so you go get the new job, the new house, the new situation, whatever it is, and you get to that point shortly after where you go, huh, I actually like this better and had mm-hmm. that not happened, I wouldn't have come looking for this, you know? Yeah. And and I think that happens. It's exactly what you said. You know, what you're, what's happening now is preparing you for what's to come. So, mm-hmm. you know, chances are you wouldn't have your husband now uh, and your daughter had some other things in your life not happened.
1: You know, I'll tell you what, it was a, a quite the bittersweet moment for me this year because every year on the anniversary of the passing of my loved mm-hmm. one, Mm -hmm. Um, You know, who who took his life. I go and visit his grave. And this year I took my daughter. And it was really, it was really impactful for me. Because I'm sitting there thinking like, she would not be here. Yeah. It would not exist. Yep. Had this not happened. And granted, of course, like, I wish he was still here. But instead of dwelling on, you know, what was negative in that situation and what was difficult and what was hard, there was so much good. That came out of what I made that event because I didn't let that event define me. I instead right. used it as fuel to do something different.
0: Absolutely. And I love that you said do something different as opposed to start over because earlier you said now I have to start over. And I say all the time, you know, it's, it's not that we're starting over because we don't lose our experiences, our wisdom from those experiences. Mm-hmm. We're just changing direction. Forced or otherwise. Uh-huh. And so I love that you said that. Um, my last question for you is what is the best advice you've ever gotten that you still rely on to this day?
1: Oh, best advice I've ever gotten. Uh, it's honestly it's business advice. Okay. <laughs> and it's um, don't invest any money in something until somebody's invested in you. Okay, so so how would you you translate that? Sure, so if you can't sell somebody on what it is that you have to offer and have them pay you for whatever that is in advance, there's absolutely no reason you should be investing in logos and websites and your LLC and this and that. Uh, You know what I mean? But it kind of goes for in life as well. You know, when you think about it, you only want to take your time, money and effort and invest it in people places people, places, whatever, that you're getting the same in return. I like that. It's an energy exchange. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. I love that. <laughs> um so Corey, tell us where we can find you if there are budding entrepreneurs listening to this <clears throat> podcast who say that's the girl that can help me figure out what I can be for when I grow up.
1: <laughs> you got it. Uh, you can find me on every social media platform: Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, my handle is at I am Corey Low. I am a m or
0: m. I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Corey Low, C O R R I E L O, and my website is coreylow dot com. I love that. So just to remind the listeners, Corey specializes in helping people who know they want to be some sort of an entrepreneur figure out what their skills are, their assets, their talents, and how they can best monetize those skills. One of my favorite words that I've learned in the last few years monetize mm-hmm. your skills um mm-hmm. Corey, i have loved talking with you today it has been so interesting you are such a breath of fresh air i love how driven you are and i love um everything that you have said to us i like to kind of go back and highlight some of the cool things that you've said while we were talking because sometimes you get wrapped up in it and you don't even hear it mm. um First, I'm going to say that twice you you use the term, the universe served it up to me on a silver platter. And I think we need to pay homage or give attention to the fact that that actually happens all the time, as long as you're willing to recognize it when it is sitting in front of you. Right. That happens mm-hmm. so many times. Um, well, I'd also like to add to that really quick too. That yeah.
1: It happens with good things and bad things. It sure does. Right. So the universe delivered every single situation that I encountered because I was meant to learn something from it.
0: Yes. And that is,
1: that is something that I truly believe. So there is no good or bad experience. There's only life experience. And I believe what we, it's in how we handle that experience and what we learn that we have the ability to be able to change and impact others.
0: I heard there's not winning and losing there's winning and learning. That's it. Mm
1: -hmm. Exactly. Mm
0: -hmm. Yep. So one of my other things that I liked that you said, um, you said it's up to me to prioritize my life and the kind of life I want to live. I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, you said that you are in the mindset that there is no possibility to fail. I'm all in, um, and that is such a driven, uh, enthusiastic mindset. It's you know how do you how, what are you going to do if you fail? I'm not. It doesn't matter. It's not an option. I mean that's fantastic. Um, my favorite well, I thing like
1: that the you joke said- too. Sorry, this is actually kind of funny though. When you think about it, every successful entrepreneur is a
0: professional failure. You know, that's true.
1: Mm-hmm. You have to be really skilled in failing.
0: That's right. <laughs> that's as an entrepreneur. So that is really, true. That, there's
1: no option. You just kind of keep doing it. You so just, just keep doing it. Right
0: that is a true story. <laughs> that is a true story. Um, we talked about how you're aware that you can be type A and an overachiever. So you need to prioritize Um, You want to do a better job of using social media more intentionally. And the positive side of that is because you really want to connect with people and use all the technology that's out there for all of the fabulousness that it can be. Um, Your best advice that you ever got was don't invest in something or someone until it or they is invested in you because it's an energy exchange. I love that. Mm -hmm. You also said... Don't change a thing to your old self, because all you are learning is preparing you for what's to come. And my favorite thing that you said, what you thought was true yesterday isn't true today. So how do you want to live your life? And I think that's a question that we all should wow, ask I ourselves. You sure did. You sure did. <laughs> <laughs> and I think uh, wow. I think that's something that we should ask ourselves all the time. What you thought was true yesterday mm-hmm. isn't true today. So how do you want to live your life? Mm-hmm. See that? You were more profound than you thought.
1: Perfect. Look at that. And thank <laughs> you for bringing it out of me. <laughs> That's right.
0: My pleasure. You know, like I said, we get in these conversations and you get so into um, the the talk itself that sometimes these gems are said and, uh, and they get lost in the shuffle, especially because that was early in our conversation. So I always like to pull out those gems and, and restate them towards the end so that people mm-hmm. are reminded of all the amazing stuff that you said. Perfect. I want to encourage everybody to check Corey out, uh, try to go find her Ted talk. Perhaps, uh, maybe a book will come out someday and don't forget she is at I am Corey Lowe on all the socials. You can find her at Corey.com Corey com. Sorry. Coila. And I will have all of her stuff linked in the show notes. Make sure you check her out. If you loved what you heard today, please do us a favor and click on that rating button. Leave a comment. As soon as I get some great feedback, I would love to share them with you on this podcast. And that feedback helps people know when they see should theory that there is something in here worth listening to. I definitely think there is. Corey thinks there is. So please Mm -hmm. make sure that you share your comments. Corey, thank you so much for coming. I'd love to have you back again when that book's written. Uh, I'd love to be here. Thank you, All Tara. All right. It's been a That's treat. That's great. <laughs> All right. Take care.